Hello Elizabeth Smith, where do we find you today? I am on a beautiful summer's day in the goldfields of Western Australia in Kalgoorlie. And how hot is it there? Well, today's only been about 29, 30, 31. It's been lovely. You know you've been living here too long when anything under 35 doesn't sound hot. I was at the aged care home this morning where I provide chaplaincy and sang carols and told Bible stories and said small prayers for clusters of old people who, even when they've got dementia, they can still remember the first verse of O Come All You Faithful and, and they really enjoy the old carols that comes back to people. So I can... I can sing the stories, I can tell the stories, I can open the doors with QR codes ready. And it's a huge privilege this year um, to be able to do that. Uh, it's a bit of good luck, a bit of good management and the advantages of living in a really remote part of the world with a, a realistic science-focused um, government. Have you noticed a difference in churchgoers, more churchgoers, fewer churchgoers? Well, probably fewer. I don't think there's been a great spiritual revival. I think the, the outbreaks of neighbourliness have been wonderful and Jesus would approve. Uh, but in terms of people connecting with the big questions of the meaning of life, not sure they're going to check out their local church for those questions. Um, mind you, if they wanted to come along, I'd be ready with a conversation. <laughs> Where are they looking for the answers to the meaning of life? I think the rhetoric is about family, um, which, of course, is great for some. There's a lot of individuals whose friends are far more precious than family. Uh, there was a sort of an outbreak of people that we can see when we go to our front porch to put out the wheelie bin on bin night, you know, there was a little bit of everybody went out and waved to each other and did a little dance and took a video of themselves putting their bin out and dressed up. That was a lot of fun for, for people. So uh, I think people are looking for relationships, but they're not really looking for the transcendent. This is a very, this has been a very physical year. <laughs> uh, that virus attacks people's bodies. It stops them breathing. Um, it travels invisibly on droplets and you have to keep washing your hands. And it, it's, it's all very earthy and earthly and human caution and human vigilance and science, which we like people to pay attention to, uh, have been the keynotes. I think people have been a bit down and depressed and not really thinking about God and transcendence somewhere over the rainbow. It's all a bit hard for people to think that far when your horizons have closed in so much that maybe you're only seeing the inside of your little apartment or your own garden or um, your balcony and you can't you can't look far beyond that uh, I don't have a particular take on the spiritual side of what's happened this year just that I miss having people of faith around me I miss having the people to share the stories with, to read the Bible with, to say the prayers and sing the hymns with when, when they're not there or we're not allowed to get together or when there's only a handful of us. I'm sad. I'm grateful for the ones who are there and I, I'd love to share that with more people, but it's not happening. I've got my Christmas sermons going on the lines of 
what have we all had to do without this year? You know, my my trip to Japan and your visit with the grandchildren and your job disappeared or you had to do these terrible long mining shifts because the government said you weren't allowed to leave the state. Um, what have what have we had to do without? What was taken away from us by this virus? And that's the the entry point for talking about God who had to do without all the glory and the glamour and the, the omnipotence and the the eternal life and the fabulous everlastingness of being God. God had to do with all of that, but it wasn't taken away. It was freely relinquished when God was born in human flesh as Mary's baby. It was a freely, freely taken on because God was willing to live with all our constraints to know what it's like to be in our our little narrow world with all its difficulties. So there's a sermon brewing along those lines for for Christmas Eve. Um, But I'll be preaching to the faithful, (laughs) not to the curious of the wider community. Um, The curious of the wider community are either if they're lucky, if they're in Western Australia, they've gone to be with their family down the beach. or they're busy with Christmas in the Park, which is a community event in Kalgoorlie that's designed to be a Christmas party for the those who have less in, in the park, put on by volunteers, lots of free stuff and free food, which is great. But in St John's Church, I won't have a huge crowd to preach to, but I'll give them my best. How has it affected you personally this year? Not being able to leave town for even if it was only a couple of months, that was hard because I'm a long way physically from unguarded conversations. Um, my friends and people that I I relax with are in Perth or, or Melbourne or some of them are overseas. Uh, so not being able to physically leave town was, was tricky for a while. The, the closest to home constraints being that my mother, who's 92, had a fall or a series of falls in March and is now in aged care and the deterioration is rapid, uh, physical and cognitive. She's not one of your sunny, smiley old ladies in aged care. Um, she's as grumpy as um, she's never been all that easy very with it up until very recently and the burden of managing all of those changes for her has fallen on my youngest sister who lives half an hour away in country Victoria on the plus side it's caused a whatsapp group to happen amongst the siblings there are five of us so we're communicating with each other more than we ever have um, just to keep up with what's happening with mum and keep my sister encouraged in everything she's doing uh, so I haven't been able to go and see mum. So those uh, important, not always happy, sometimes rocky um, pieces of communication have been made more difficult by distance and enforced separation this year for me. And you don't know how much you take travel for granted till you're not allowed to. <laughs> Um, not just that I was going to go to Japan and didn't go, uh, but just even flying around Australia, 
let alone thinking about fantasising about the next overseas trip or the long service leave or, you know, the conference that you'd like to go to. There's just no point even imagining or fantasising at the moment. Just go, nah, work and maybe a local holiday if you're lucky. When you sit on the other side of the world and look over this way, what do you think about how we've managed the situation compared to what's happened in Australia and New Zealand? My view is that it was always going to be infinitely harder in Europe because you've had porous borders and freedom of travel and you're next door to each other. You're over the back fence from each other. Um, It's not like it's easy to pull up a drawbridge. Australia and New Zealand are uniquely distant and we've pulled up drawbridges between each other let alone the rest of the world. There's there's talk about a bubble for Australia and New Zealand, but we haven't got there yet, really. So I don't, I never thought it was going to be easy for you guys. That virus, it just just travels. Um, I think in the places where there's been idiots in government, it's been infinitely worse because being messed around and being told one thing by one person and another thing the next week is just frustrating um and not more than frustrating it's it's awful for you and i i can't i can hardly begin to imagine the the confusion and the mixed messages and the resentment and the uh it's just i feel for you i have no words Anyway, let's go on to more jolly things. What does Christmas Day look like for you over there? Well, um, if I survive the heat, uh, I'll be coming home after morning church and cooking up a storm. I'll try and do some of that in advance. We've got our little congregation. We had a a lovely musician up until 18 months ago. She was Kath. She was in her 80s and she could play the piano like an angel. And she did. Um, but she was deteriorating with her memory. You, you could still put the, the music in front of her and she'd play it like a dream, but she would be very muddled as to which page she should be on if you didn't put it in front of her. And she's had to go into aged care back in Perth. And so we've been singing unaccompanied ever since. We just, I pick a note and off we go. Um, I have, uh, people say I have a, a lovely voice, but what I have is a loud voice, good pitch and no shame. And of the three, no shame is by far the most important. Um, and people bear with me and we all sing and it's a lovely old acoustic and, you know, we sound better than we, we deserve to. Uh, but this year uh, we have some visitors, one of whom's offered to play the piano for us over Christmas. Bless him, he's a visiting uh, doctor at the hospital and he's come up before um, and he's bringing his wife and two young boys with him this time. Um, and I've invited them to my place for Christmas lunch. So I'll be feeding a hungry 10-year-old and 8-year-old and a lovely musical medical doctor and his lovely musical wife um, with a a non-traditional but hopefully delicious Christmas feast. Um, And I look forward to cooking because I love to feed people. That's that's a bonus this year. course Friday is Christmas Day then there's Saturday and then you've got to go back on Sunday because even though Christmas is terrifically important uh, the day of the resurrection of the Lord every Sunday is pretty much right up there so we can't just skip um, Sunday because Christmas was two days earlier so we'll have some more 
stories of, uh, of the baby Jesus being presented at the temple on the Sunday, then I might, I might catch a cheap flight to Perth just for a couple of days looking at the ocean and cooling down after the heat wave and come back in time for Epiphany. That sounds fantastic. Well, I know how lucky I am to be able to do those things and um, everything is your plan but you know it can change overnight. So you enjoy the things that you can and, and try and beat the habit of planning far ahead. Um, be grateful for the little surprises, the little moments of connection that um, remind you that the world is a good place to be. Um, yeah. I mean, look, at the aged care home this morning, you know, you look at, you look at the people who are singing and you look at the ones who are not singing but have closed their eyes and they're really listening to the carols and you listen to the ones who say amen at the end of the prayer and who join in the, the Lord's Prayer and the old language at the end and even some of the carers and stuff. It's where I'm meant to be at the moment. You know that you, you're in this place for a reason and that there's love to be shown and there's stories to be listened to and songs to be sung and and I'll keep on doing it. Even though I have my grumpy moments every now and again, I'll keep on doing it. Do you think it's changed your sense of purpose in any way? It sounds like you've almost uh, become more valuable outside of the church than you were. Uh, that mm, It's a close call. I've been a very church-identified person, uh, being a liturgist, being the person who writes text for other people to pray in churches, um, enjoying preaching uh, to the congregation, enjoying presiding at the liturgy, holding people in the space. That's been very much who I am. But I've been increasingly aware that who I talk to outside the church building is at least as important as the people that I care for inside the congregation. Um, I really do have a tiny congregation in Kalgoorlie. Um, I, I had to do a presentation for the theological students in Perth a couple of months ago on mission and what it's like in Kalgoorlie. Um, and I, I tried to capture what I think I'm here for. And I came up with, I'm here to form relationships that the spirit can use for Christ to be encountered. Now, that means I want people to encounter Christ, but it also probably means I'm going to encounter Christ in many of those people. But relationships that the spirit can use for Christ to be encountered. And then the subsidiary thing is to try and nurture a Christian community that's safe for people who might be experiencing Christ somewhere else to put their toe in the water of. And nearly all clergy will tell you that your average Sunday congregation is not always a safe Christian community for strangers and outsiders and newcomers and people new to faith. There's a lot of very wacko people in our churches and God loves every single one of them and so must we. Uh, but you wouldn't sit the newcomer who's just got some interesting questions about the life of Christ or the gifts of the spirit. You would not sit them down next to these people 
and expect everything to be okay. So I do want to keep nurturing the, the churchgoers. Some of them are godly and beautiful people and some of them are vulnerable and needy people. Um, and there are fewer actively dangerous ones than there were when I got here. <laughs> and I also want to be out there meeting whoever God wants to put in my way, um, whether it's the lapsed Anglican daughter of the lovely old lady in the nursing home or whether it's the Aboriginal Christian lady who needs a prayer that she can pray over the, the welcome to the world ceremony for the little Aboriginal babies of the town that we had last week or, or whether it's the teenager who's struggling with his parents' authority or the, the grandma who's got an addicted grandchild or whoever it is, they're the ones that I meet outside the bubble of active religiosity. Um, and I need to be able to find words for, for the life of God that don't just drag people kicking and screaming towards church belonging yet. <laughs> I'd want that for them. But I think the church that all of these people could belong in, we don't have that church yet. What are the benefits of being a Christian? Well, <clears throat> that's an interesting question. I had a, an interview with a PhD student in Queensland a couple of weeks ago who's doing something on the benefits for people's psychological health of sensory motor practices associated with religion. So she asked me, you know, what did I think that Christianity offered or my church or my worship services offered in terms of sensory motor things that might be good for people's mental health. So that, that took me down another rabbit hole. Um, and I think Christianity does have some wonderful things to offer, not just for mental health, but for whole human health. I think being together with a common purpose to say the same words and sing the same things to listen to each other breathe, to listen to each other's voices. Um, that's a powerful intra-human intra connection. I think that moving together around a church building, looking at the stained glass window, walking in a procession, standing for the gospel, doing these things together that, that stand in for um, behaviours that honour someone other than ourselves, that take the focus off me and put them onto someone beyond me uh, those are really healthy things to do um, you can join a community choir and sing things that are not christian and you'll get some of the benefits of singing together and you can go to park run and you know do your five kilometer stroll or jog or sprint if you want to and get some of the benefits of moving together with other people and and using your body healthily but when you do it as a Christian, when you do it in the liturgy, you're doing it with a big narrative that shapes and holds you. Uh, you're doing it because someone beyond you loves all of you. And there are footsteps that have walked this path before and you're with them. And you're going on this journey of, of life and death and resurrection. You're doing it together. Um, it's got a purpose that's bigger than just I want to be healthy or I want to meet people. It's about I want to be 
cosmic with the biggest cosmic expression of love the world's ever seen. I want to be breathing Holy Spirit, not just a good lung full of fresh air. Uh, so I think the story of God's treasuring of the world, creating of the world, constantly knocking on the door of human beings and saying, would you like to come? Uh, would you would you like to have a bucket load of love? And I, I'd be glad if you wanted to love me back, but I'm sticking around either way. Um, would you like to help me make the world a better place? Those open questions that keep coming and that sense that we don't have to do it on our own. We can only do it together and we can only do it together with the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that I think Christianity does best. Elizabeth, it's been lovely to hear from you. Fantastic to see you. And thank you very much for your time today. Birds Who Praise, a Watchware Media production.